When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live, of course, presented every single day by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. And uh, I tell you what, man, uh, we tell you every single day about Clint, but there is a reason for that is because Clint is the best in the business. The NMLS number, which is something that I finally have gotten comfortable saying. For some reason, NMLS is the worst thing in the world for me to try to say. I have no idea why. So 71597 is it. I still don't completely know what that means. I just know I'm supposed to say it. 803-771-6933 is the phone number. And uh, as you see right there on your screen, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com is the email address or, you know, Clint's big time, man. You can just type in his name and put .com after it, clinthammond.com, to find more information about Clint. And, uh, Chris, want to give a quick shout-out to our, our friends at Goings Law Firm as well, uh, Robert Goings, Chris Paschal, who we had lunch with today. Also, are good, are big fans of Clint Hammond, I hear. So, yeah, Clint, dude, I'm telling you, um, and Goings Law Firm, of course, a – major sponsor of ours on GamecockCentral.com. So shout out to all those people. It is funny. Have y'all ever noticed Columbia is like right, you know, I, I grew up in a very small town, man. Um, so when I moved to Columbia to go to college, I was like, man, there's stuff everywhere. Like this, this is big. Well, you ever notice if you were in Columbia long enough, about everybody sort of kind of knows everybody, like maybe not knows everybody, but everybody knows somebody that knows somebody else basically. So it's kind of like everybody is, it's not six degrees of separation. It's like two degrees of separation for everybody in Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, all of you in the comments, we know you as well. And we are happy that you are here. Good afternoon. And uh, welcome into GC live, the Wednesday episode of the show, which Chris, as I think we've settled into the year has become the coordinator day because on Wednesdays, South Carolina's coordinators, often speak and um this is new this is still good i'm i'm loving it this is something we haven't had before um you know at least for five years there so we got to hear from mark satterfield today we got to hear from clayton white today you know and, and you and i were talking a little bit before we came on air man it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting i i obviously for a reason i did the title of the show satterfield weighs in on offense because uh, you know our man clayton white he's getting to handle some softballs, you know, it's like, Hey man, how, how does it feel to have your defense play this well? You know, how does it feel to have Jalen Foster, a former walk on um, tied for the country's lead in interceptions? Um, you know, uh, what, what have you liked about your defense? What do you want to see him improve on a little bit? Mark Satterfield gets up there. Why can't you run the football? Why can't you get the ball to your playmakers? What's your identity? And uh, again, Obviously, as we've talked about 
Very valid questions, but a completely different mood or tone with the questions because of the outcomes of those two units through four games. So we're going to dive into some of Marcus Satterfield's comments. Actually, very quickly, Chris, clipped some that I thought were the most pertinent. And I will say this, man. I Some people are going to roll their eyes. Some people are going to say, we don't care about that. Some people are going to say, win football games and score touchdowns. And that's fine. I will say this. Marcus Satterfield stood there. He took every single question. He did not appear to get frustrated with the questions. He did not get defensive about the questions about his offense. If anything, you know, there, there's one answer in particular, maybe a couple of them, where you could tell he, you know, he's he's as frustrated as anybody. Now he's being positive. He's giving actual answers. He's not sort of backing off of questions. But um, let, let's go sort of big picture first. And then, like I said, I've, I've actually got several comments. So what I was going to do, Chris, I'm going to play them, and then we're going to dive into each topic because – he, he answered several things that we've talked about here on the show. But in general, first thought was sometimes coaches get defensive. Sometimes they're like, how dare you ask me these questions? I, I thought he took what were pretty valid questions, even if, and I'll just say us, like even if media people get a little bit asking the same crap over and over and over again, it's like how many different ways can he say it? But he stood in there answered them, and tried to give actual information as well. So, I, you know what? Offense has not been good. But I, I respect the handling of that so far, man. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, from top down, look, one of the things, and part of it was when things were going bad under Will Muschamp, right? That's when the media stuff gets kicked up more. If a guy's winning – him saying something in a press conference, no matter what it is, if he's not saying enough or whatever it may be, that's just kind of a footnote. You know, like if the team's winning, nobody really cares. Now, when things are going poorly, that's when people and fans hyper-focus in on what's being said in the press conference, right? Well, what's the explanation? Why are we not hearing from this person? Why is he not answering this question? And so I think it's a positive that we get to hear from the coordinators every Wednesday, win or loss, is scheduled. We're going to hear from Clayton White. We're going to hear from Marcus Satterfield most of the time. We're going to hear from Pete Limbo, who we heard from today. That was something that Shane Beamer wanted to do, which I think is a good idea. And I, I agree with you. Look, it doesn't matter what he says in a press conference. At the end of the day, it is about production. Nobody's going to grade this coaching staff or grade the program based on how well they do in a post in a press conference setting. But it is certainly good when the fan base says that they want coaches to hold themselves accountable or they want to hear from the coaches. Well, we do get to hear from them. And I think the way that they've answered the question, Shane Beamer, Marcus Satterfield, they have been very uh, honest, open, and they've been very much willing to fall on the sword, so to speak, and put blame on themselves and that we have to be better. But they've given some actual info. It's not just been um, – yeah, we know it's bad, we're going to get it fixed, or, and stuff like that. There have been versions of that, but they've certainly given more detail than that. And I think Satterfield multiple times today you know, put, put blame on himself and also gave some practical solutions in terms of where they could go um, and also what he saw that happen. So 
I think that's good because we've talked about this a lot last year, Wes, and, and in the past. When you aren't hearing from certain coaches, especially the coordinators, or if the head coach isn't answering questions, you know, being kind of defensive, like you said, or leaving the press conference like we've seen at other schools or whatever it may be, all that does is all that does is open up things to like conspiracy theories and well, this must be what's happening. And so if nothing else, it does help clear the air about certain things. And so I, I think having these press sessions is a positive. Will it fix the offense? No, it will not. But it is good to hear, you know, what has happened and maybe some some ways that they're looking at least to get it fixed. Well, I think, Chris, people people will fill in the blanks if, if you don't do it for them. You know, like if you don't fill the if you don't fill the empty space, people will fill it. For, just like if you're talking to somebody and you have awkward silence, it's actually a, a tactic people use too. If they're trying to get information from someone, you just don't talk, and then people will awkwardly fill the silence. Well, people will fill the void with their their opinion on why it's going, uh, you know, the way it is. So I, at least you know when when you speak for. Um, you know, yourself and your decisions and all that stuff. You, you know, to me, sometimes it's almost, it's almost a disservice to the coordinators. Not that, not that any football coach like loves the whole, the whole media press conference aspect. Right. Right? You didn't sign up to be a football coach to go talk to the media. Let's be honest. But, you know, to, to be able to explain yourself is an important aspect of this, in my opinion. So, yeah, to, I've I've been I've been very happy as I've said before with this aspect being back. Uh, SC Scout guy says everybody hit the like button. I agree, and because you said that, I'm going to answer your first question. Why does Kleine always get the first question? This is not a conspiracy. There's no, actually no real information behind it. Y'all want to know why? Because Kleine raises his hand first. Like he, when it, when it's, when it's time to, for the press conference to start, he puts his hand up, the mic goes to him. There's really, you know, there's no actual basis or background to that. If somebody else wants to slide in first, you know, it's there for the taking. I I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody even like tries to like, I'm going to beat him out because they just kind of, all right, well, David will get the first one. And then when my, I'll be second or third or whatever. I think I think they just do that, you know. Why people have also asked why he wants to get the first question. I don't know. Just just, just Clowney style. That's just what he's doing. Yeah, that's, that's him. Life. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Matt Owens said Juju says Satterfield is a mastermind. You know, and and you know what, Matt Marcus Satterfield is an extremely intelligent guy. Like, no, just because the offense and you know there was no context context to your con. Uh, comment there's no context to your comment matt so i don't know if you were saying that like kind of rolling your eyes or if you're saying that pointing it out i don't know exactly you know which side you were on on that but you know everybody you talk to will tell you you know the guy is a sharp guy um now the, the offense has not churned out the way anyone has expected at this point um is it a thing at some point chris where the guys start getting more comfortable um Something positive happens. They start getting more confident. It snowballs, and then the, the offense gets going. You know, it's a first year. It's a first year for all these guys in this scheme. 
nobody on this show is saying the offense is as good as you know it needs to be or as good as anybody over there wants it to be. So I'm I'm not even defending that through four games, but I also am not ready to go as far as to say the offense through four games is what it's going to be in game shoot even game five, game six, game eight, you know down down the line. So uh, we seasons seasons are always roller coasters, man. And just when you think you have them figured out, just when you think a team is like static and you have that team figured out. We realize that teams are not static. They're dynamic. They get better. They get worse. They have injuries. They have guys stepping up. They have guys whose girlfriend breaks up with them, and they have three bad games in a row. So, you you know, you, you never know what's going to happen in a season. As I said, we have several different quotes, comments, and concerns, I guess you could say, from Marcus Satterfield. And here is our first one on South Carolina's running game. Uh, I think there, it's a combination. I'm going to try to answer this because I, I know it's so painful. You watch it. I could imagine I, I could imagine my dad yelling at me about the run game. So I, I'm trying to answer this in a way that uh, is actual gives you information. Like we're not running the ball the way that we should. Obviously, um, do we have the personnel to to run the runs we're running? 100% we do. Will the run game get a little better as as the quarterbacks get healthy? Probably. Uh, I think it's just it's a it's like the other night we had a couple. There was two or three runs where the backfield timing and just a certain angle on the, you know just we pushed the running back just a little bit, and it, you know, he couldn't get behind the double team, and it, it ended up being a one-yard gain as opposed to a six-yard, like little things like that. Uh, some of it's the O-line, some of it's the play call, some of it this time the the you know this this position group didn't do what they were supposed to do, and then the next time this position group didn't do it, and it's just all little layers and pebbles and nuggets of just little things that drive you absolutely insane that it's not it's not cohesive yet. Uh, so we keep addressing it. And uh, we're going to tirelessly keep addressing it, and eventually it's going to it's going to get going. We got really good running backs, and uh, I think that our offensive line is they've had two good weeks really since Georgia. They've had their best week this week, so I get the I get the the question one hundred percent. I ask myself that every day, and it's driving me nuts. But we're we're going to get it. We'll get it. So Chris, I mean Satterfield sounds. Just the expression, just the way the way he said, the way he answered that. Um, I don't know, man. I kind of, I kind of related to it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I'm gonna sit here and be a coach and like build this wall. Like I'm the coach. I sit up here. I have all the answers. You morons don't know what you're talking about. It was more like, I get it. I get it, guys. It sucks watching it for me just as much as it does for you. As far as how it's played out. Um, so that that was, you know, what I was talking about to start. I, I, I sort of understand now. Um, you, you know, some I, I think to his point, some 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 of this fix is is probably not gonna be man, they're not gonna just throw this scheme out and start running the triple option or something. Like it, it's it, it's gonna be a situation where maybe some of those little things we aren't quite privy to noticing slowly start to work themselves out and this thing can can get going a little bit. Yeah. And and it is a lot of people are not wanting to hear right now that it's several different things. I mean, we've, we've been talking about this on the show a good bit. They just want to hear, well, the play calling sucks or well, the O-line sucks. And, and like those things can be true. Like to some degree, that's in the eye of the beholder. Like there, yeah, there's eventually there becomes an objective reality to 
the offense is not good, right? And and it has not been after the first four games. It has not been good enough. It has not been up to par. It has not maximized the potential of this offense, not even based on what we think it could be, but in the run game, based on what we know they've produced in the past, albeit in a different scheme, right? Albeit with Sidarius Hutcherson on the offensive line as well, uh, albeit with Kevin Harris not coming off of an offseason surgery and working his way back in, missing the first game, and all those different types of things, right? But there should be more production. But you do – I mean, that's the reason that you have the press conference. If you want to have a press conference, if you want to hear from the coach, if you want to analyze the game, if we want to talk about it on this show and break it down on GamecockCentral.com, it's not just, well, this is bad. Okay, well, let's figure out – let's talk about and figure out why. And, you know, credit to Satterfield for trying to give some information other than just being – you know, clearly there's some frustration, maybe some exasperation there because he wants to get it fixed too. Whether or not they do it, we'll see. Um, but he is right. I mean, you, you can go back and watch the games, especially against Kentucky. You can see all these little things. You can see the nose guard holding up Jalen Nichols on a pull and then Harris running up in there And when Nichols is supposed to be in front of him on the pull. Like, you can see that. So, all right, coach, how to fix that. Um, you can see some false – Steps. I mean, you remember the Luke Doty play where it looked like the timing was off and he had to flip the ball out to Juju instead of handing it to him. You know, ended up being a loss on that play. You got to play like that. There's a lot of little things that they've done. Now, sometimes they've just gotten beat, and that's the ones that are probably more concerning. Um, The key is going to be whether or not they can clean up some of these smaller issues that have led to much bigger things, you know, this season. Small margin of error, right, for this team. So, when you have those things, it's going to be magnified on a team like this with, that does have some offensive limitations. Uh, Craig, rightfully so, says doesn't help that Doty, Cam Smith, Marshawn Lloyd, and Kevin Harris were all hurt um, in, in the offseason um, to start the season. I, agreed, 100%, man. I mean, nobody's making excuses. There was another comment that said there's an expiration date on saying that um, it just hasn't meshed together yet. Uh, agree, 100%. Uh, Justin said that on YouTube. Agree 100%, man. Um, at some point, you know, it's kind of one of those things we can talk about execution versus play calling. And Sat gets to a point later on. And, you know, I, I, Chris, I think you made this point. Um, maybe we've talked about it on here. I know you talked about it on your insider report on Monday. Um, there, there were some good calls in, in this game as far as the, if you're talking about play calling from a literal play calling standpoint. When I think of play calling, Chris, I think of, does this play work against this defensive call? Um, now, when you, when you get sort of – when you dial it back a little bit, zoom out a little bit, ultimately uh, execution is about well, – to me, I first asked myself this question. Do, do they have the ability to execute this? Um, is it just purely a talent, like they just can't do it type thing? Or is it that for whatever reason the coaches have not prepared them to execute something? So ult- ultimately – well, execution, eventually, he's talking about that expiration date. Ultimately, does it fall on the coaches to put the guys in a position to execute? Yes. Um, we are still, you know, four games in, to me, we're right. So we're still sort of in that little first part where you, you can make those arguments, right? Um, to Justin on YouTube's point, yes, there does become a point where you say, well, you know, that, that's on that's on y'all. Uh, all right. This is something we've talked about. 
identity, Chris. It's a it's a cliche. It's way overused. Way, way, way overused. But in this case, our point has been that um, this is one of those cases where identity is an issue. Marcus Satterfield agrees. I'll be honest with you. I don't think we have a true identity yet. I think that that's you. You know, you got two games with Zeb. You got then you lose Zeb, and then you got Doty that comes in, who's like again. This is not an excuse, but like, he practiced 11 plays in a month, which was amazing, his performance against Georgia. But I think just mix and matching the same plays, but just different personalities, uh, you know, trying to run the ball a certain way through camp. We felt like we could. Then we get into competition. Well, maybe we maybe we need to tweak this a little bit. I think just, just we're just constantly trying to find the right combinations and the right plays and the right personnels. And we haven't had any consistent success on offense right now. And so you just you, – you, you can't – you don't have an identity yet. Like our identity is we're going to be physical, tough. We're going to run the football. We're going to play action pass, utilize screen game, uh, get the ball in the perimeter, right, let our receivers make plays out of the field. That's our – what we want our identity to be, but we're not there yet. That's what we're striving to get to. Uh, but not there, to answer your question, a long win. We're not there yet, but, but we will get there. And I know that that's easy to say, hard to do, but that's what we're here to do. Chris, uh, Coleman on YouTube said it seems cliche, but is simplifying the offense and running a more basic offense get us back on track? Um, to that, I would say not necessarily, but I, I do think you're on to something. That's something we have, I believe, talked about. Um, I've certainly um, maybe even uh, advocated for. And I, you know, even Beamer mentioned this week in passing the idea of simplifying things to a bit, or, you know, a bit. What um, what do you think on that, Chris, and uh, Satterfield's comments on the, the identity of the offense right now? So to take the simplifying part first, you know, I, I think I recall Beamer using the term like narrowing down some things um, in terms of what they do. You know, maybe so. I, I think at this point for the offense, what you don't want them doing is overthinking or having to think too much. Um, that's a bad recipe when you're struggling, when you're not, when it's apparent that maybe you're not grasping things or you're not executing things correctly, that can be one thing, just one that you can point to as far as, well, maybe, maybe you need to look at scaling back or simplifying things a little bit and, and what that lo- looks like, you know, you, you got to figure that out. Um, the defense right now to, to give kind of the, the opposite of that, you know, they seem to have a good understanding. They're, they're not making tons of mistakes are there some yeah for sure but a lot of the defensive players have talked about playing fast playing free the offense isn't able to do that right now a large part of that is because things have not been successful right that those two things really start to affect each other um I also think look you you look at the run game it's not like the run game has always been overly complex you know they kept it pretty simple in the first two games and eventually they found something that worked against ECU. They weren't running a ton of different run plays in that in those two ball games. Uh, also, you know, they run inside zone a good bit. I mean, that's not always a that's not a run you think of as being super complicated. But they do need to maybe narrow some things down or simplify things in, in a different way. You know, maybe just how you're structuring things. Maybe in the passing game, maybe you've got to change your base runs um, to some degree within reason. So. I, th- I think that, you know, that might be something to look at. The identity question in terms of what 
you know, Satterfield said, look, he, he rattled off a lot of things. And this is why I kind of always say your identity should be to score points. You know, I mean, like you could you can do that in many different ways. Georgia Tech, when they were really good under Paul Johnson, their identity was the triple option and run points. But we've seen a bunch of other teams that could air it out and score points. You know, you can you can do it different ways. And he mentioned basically everything good offensively. Be physical, run the ball, get the ball to the perimeter, take shots. Like those are all things that you want to be as a team. I think your identity should should be more of what can you do to score points. And so for this team, it's going to be about finding something that to go back to your phrase, they can hang their hat on. It needs to be the run game. Like that needs to be the starting point. It has not been there. And that's why this team is sitting here after four games, you know, without that identity and without the type of production that that they need. Yeah, and I, I agree. In most in most cases, I've whenever people talk about identity, I'm, but I think that's completely just overrated. Something that's talked about, but it doesn't really have a place. But I, I do think when when you're struggling, when things are going wrong, uh, you know, there is something to be said for have what 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 are you calling if everything else has gone to you know what? Like what what are you saying if 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 you're down 21 to nothing and not a single thing has gone right and you're trying to get back, hey, this is what we do. Forget what's going on in the game. This is what we do as an offense. What are you calling? Right now, South Carolina doesn't know the answer to that. Um, the really good offenses probably have some, you know, handful of whether it's a play, plays or concepts or philosophy, you know, that, that they're they're going to turn to. And I, I think right now it's still fi- finding what – you know what what that is we you know the the phrase pin and pull became a a regular phrase in a South Carolina fans vernacular overnight within the last couple of years because South Carolina i, I would dare say their identity on offense they they became sort of a, a pin and pull type team um you know a couple of years ago and that was something they realized they could do very very well so um now some you know sometimes identity is more of a big picture thing i, I think it's like to me, I look at Tennessee's offense. Their their sort of identity is that they're going to spread out and, and go fast. I look at Lane Kiffin's offense, and I say his identity is that it's going to be wide open and he's going to go for it on more fourth downs than anybody this side of uh, the dude at PC. Uh, what's his name? Kevin Kelly? Kevin? Is that right? That's it, uh, Kevin Kelly. Yep. By the way, um, we need to get Kevin Kelly on GC Live. Ooh, that would be a good one. We'd love to have Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, if you're if you're listening, watching, um, it's always open, man. We'd love to have you on. Then, Chris, when you start talking about offense, and I I I don't, I don't want to bore y'all to death. I feel like we've been talking about offense for three days straight now because we have been. But at the same time, Troy is not an opponent that moves the needle for y'all as a fan base. So it is kind of a good time to kind of sit back, evaluate where things are four games in. Um, you're a third of the way through the regular season. How insane is that to say? So good, good of a time as any to, to sort of go into this. But the other sort of fiber in all of this, Chris, the little thing that just has been probably an issue is the amount of time that Luke Doty had to miss, the amount of time that Kevin Harris had to miss. When we're talking about a guy being at his full strength, uh, you know, even with Kevin Harris, as big as breaking tackles was to his game last year, um, 
being in game shape, being in a position to where the, the timing is perfect. Again, not excuses, but probably a factor in, in all this as well. All that said, Luke Doty has really played two, you know, really, really good football I thought he games. played well enough for us to win the game. Uh, you know, was he John Elway? No, and I wasn't Bill Walsh. So, but he played well enough to win that game. And, uh, you know, he threw the ball well. He put the ball in places where, uh, you know, maybe they weren't always caught on certain and very, very uh, high pressure down. And, and uh, I think the guys will make the plays for him moving forward, but I thought he played well enough to win the game for sure. Like, he, he didn't have any critical errors. Uh, he was locked in. He made some great decisions. Uh, he had good tempo throughout the game. And uh, I, was, I was proud of him. Still pleased. Still pleased. I mean, still for him to be like performing like he is. Just practicing, just his, practicing first his first full week after, after, after playing his Georgia, playing is, Georgia uh, is uh, really cool to watch. Really cool to watch. So, um, yeah, Chris, Satterfield on Luke. Uh, you know, I, I, and I agree, man. I think Doty has, has played really well. We, we've talked about it all week. You know, we have to remember how few games Luke Doty has actually started in his career. So, uh, quarterback play has been solid. Pretty obvious he's not quite at his full speed yet as far as running speed, running ability, but um, ha- has played well, man. Um, Nick on Facebook says, isn't that concerning that you're four games in and you don't have an identity? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think um, no, nobody nobody has said it's not concerning. I, I think – yeah. I think everybody from this show to even, you know, even Satterfield himself um, pretty much just said it's, it's kind of concerning. Yeah. I mean, he did. And that's kind of how he was answering the question. And that was the tone of the entire press conferences that there was nothing that he said. I mean, he did express some optimism that, Hey, we'll get there. We'll get better. We'll get these things corrected. And and maybe some people roll their eyes, but what's he going to say? I, you know, guys, I just don't, I just don't think we'll get there. This is a lost cause. You know, he's not going to say that. As a coach, your job is to instill some confidence. I mean, you even hear the comment. He said, you know, Luke put the ball some places. Guys didn't come up with the plays, but they'll make the plays for him in the future. I mean, those are the types of things that you're going to hear from a coach, and really you should hear that. You know, I mean, you don't want a coach coming up there and saying, I I just don't think our guys can do it. You know, (laughs) what, what good does that do? you know, besides validating somebody's opinion, maybe. I mean, it's just – it's not going to do any good. So, I think the whole tone of his answer in that question and the rest of the press conference kind of showed that, no, they don't have an identity. That's why he said, I'm going to be honest, we don't have one right now. Um, And he kind of laid out why. So, of course, that's something they want to establish. He pointed out the markers that they wanted to hit. Again, it's all the things that you want to be able to do offensively. You want to be able to – somebody mentioned in the chat, why did he mention play-action pass? He was saying that's what they want to be able to do. And to do that, obviously, you do have to establish the run. So he established the markers while saying that, hey, we're not there yet. So, yeah, he, he's expressed concern, and, and everybody, I think, has expressed concern. Craig uh, says, I will say, Beamer has his pulse on what's being said about the program. I think he wants us to know that. I, I agree, Chris. I, I think Beamer 100% has has his finger on the pulse of, uh, of what the fan base is saying. So, um, you know, I, I think he's noticed the the comments after after the two and two start, and and you know we talked about it earlier this week, y'all. I believe if if South Carolina, if the offense wasn't playing the way it is right now, and the results were still two and two, may, maybe a little different 
conversation from a lot of people just because I believe that um, the fact the Kentucky game was not just winnable on paper, but was so winnable in the fact that your defense gave you those opportunities um, probably just bothers people a little bit. Uh, Probably just uh, is a little bit more annoying to fans than if it had played out a a little bit differently. One final quote from Sat here, and then we're going to move on um, from this offensive talk, and we're going to dive heavily into Troy a little bit at the end of this show. And then, of course, as we finish out the week, we'll, we'll let you know all about what you need to know about the Troy Trojans. I'm usually really hard on myself this last game, which was our worst game, ironically enough. I, I walked out of the thing feeling like I was, I, was, I, was, I was good with all the decisions that I made and the plays that were called. Uh, we, just, you know, we just have to everybody get on the same page and get the execution level where it needs to be. Uh, obviously, we you know, want to be way more productive and have 500 yards of offense and stay on the field for longer and rush for 4.2 yards, and we're not getting that done. So as a coach, like you're constantly critiquing yourself of that's my fault, that's my fault, that's my fault, and it is my fault. Uh, but I would say right now I would give myself, as a, as a real human in this world, I'd give myself a, probably a C-. minus. No one, though, given, uh, I would give myself uh, the benefit of the doubt that I would get that worked up rather quickly, sooner rather than later. So, again, that's our final quote there from, from Satterfield. You got. I don't have anything else to add on that, Chris. You, you got anything else? Well, my my two points I did want to make, Wes, briefly. You know, Satterfield grading himself. That was interesting. What would you grade yourself this week, Wes? Would you get? Would you be a C minus? Would you be an A? Um, maybe I need to do that more. That, I thought that was kind of interesting to be able to give an answer and to give a C minus. It's not a great grade. Um, but the the bigger point, though, I think that he made was, I think some people may hear what he said. Well, how could he walk away from the Kentucky game and feel good about the calls he made? They they scored ten points. They didn't run the ball. They didn't. But there's there's several different aspects of coaching, and one of them is is what you said earlier. Literally, the play calls is the play against whatever defense is called. Does it give the players a chance to be successful? Does it scheme some players open? Is does it make sense against the given call in the run game? Um, you can feel good about that and not have production. If you have, let's say you got a team that's got tons of talent. Let's say, let's say I'm, I'm the OC at Alabama and we're playing whoever, somebody not good. Like I could go out there and if you gave me base calls and kind of gave me a decent concept of what each one is, I might be able to put a half, half decent game plan together, right? Not going to be great. I'm going to probably make that team look a lot worse because I'm not an OC. But I could call some plays and they would work, even if it's not the right call, because the players are so good. you know. So if you can meet great play calling, uh, great teaching of the execution and great players, you're going to have a winning formula. So I say all that to say the other part of coaching is not just scheming, but teaching the players how to execute things. And Satterfield, I think, expressed some frustrations maybe even more so after Kentucky and not just, just the play calling aspect, which is what everybody's going to think about, but teaching the players, are they making the right decisions? Are we teaching the run game? Right. Are we, are we hitting all the landmarks and and when to hit the hole and how to hit it? Like those are also coaching points that I think don't get talked about enough. And he seemed to be a little bit more concerned even with that after the UK game. So that was just a, a, a quick point that was not quick that I wanted to make on that one. 
Um, yeah, no doubt, man. So moving on, let's let's get to Troy. We are working on um, I believe we're gonna be able to have a Troy beat writer for y'all tomorrow. There is a there's not a Troy Rivals site that I'm aware of. So um we we shall have someone, we believe, at some point this week, probably tomorrow, to talk to y'all a little bit about Troy, because I I don't know, man. I, I normally by now have like had a chance to dive into the opponent. I have not taken the leap yet, but I, I can tell you this pretty darn good defense, man. Um, which is interesting. Is it not is it not interesting how many coaches are defensive coaches and then maybe their defense struggles uh when they're head coaches or they're offensive offensive minded dudes. They're like a former OC. Um, Chip Lindsey is a guy that I believe started out in the high school ranks. Then he, he was at Auburn as sort of like an, an off the field, like analyst type guy. Then he sort of moved around a little bit. I think spent a year at Arizona state, maybe, uh, spent a couple of years running the offense as much as you get to run the offense under Gus Malzahn at Auburn. And, um, now is the head coach at Troy and has had some like, what I remember, Chris, it's sort of like middling type, not awful. The bottom hasn't dropped out, but hasn't won a ton of games either um, at, at Troy. So, which I guess he would have, did he take over for Neil Brown? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, so Chip Lindsay been there, uh, you know, handful of years, took over for Neil Brown. And, you know, basically, Chris, um, they have been really good. Uh, you know, on defense this year, and they've kind of struggled to get going on offense. Yeah, and and that has been kind of a source of frustration, my understanding. You know, I, I did do kind of some of the preseason reading, and even after the first couple games, Wes, there's been kind of some, uh, some belly aching out of Troy about this season. That's what I look forward to diving into a little bit of kind of the state of mind around that fan base and around that program when we get our, our Troy expert on tomorrow. Um, you know, this has kind of been viewed as an important season for Chip Lindsey. And with his offensive pedigree and background on that side of the ball, I think people have expected more in the way of results. But they do. I mean, Shane Beamer rattled off the statistics, you know, defensively this year for Troy and even some dating back to last year. Um and they're pretty impressive. You know, when you look at tackles for loss, sacks, they had nine sacks in the game. That's hard to do against anybody, right? And uh, so defensively is where they're going to, you know, that's kind of their bread and butter. And that's concerning for South Carolina, given their struggles on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you, you again, even against EIU, which is the least talented team that South Carolina will play this year, South Carolina racked up some points, right? Not tons, but they had a pretty good offensive day. There were still some things that you came out of that game going, this could be a problem. Well, it has been a problem, and that's something that you cannot extend, you know, to Troy this week. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I actually, in many ways, Chris, you know, it, I, I think this is kind of a good time for South Carolina to play Troy. and. My my reason being is that obviously not an SEC opponent, but not an, an EIU either, in that you're not playing a team that is going to be quite good enough to where, you know, if you just have some really bad moments that they're just going to 
just come out and beat you. Not that Troy's not capable, because I'm, I'm going to tell all of you right now, they are capable of winning this game 100%. But gives you an opportunity. In no way am I saying this as a way of like, oh, you go out there and just mess around and throw stuff at the wall. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it gives you an opportunity to work on some things, to tweak some things against a real opponent, against a solid enough opponent that you're going to learn something, but also not an opponent that's good enough that if it just none of it works, that you uh, you're just going to get blown out, you know, and and going in, not, not to look ahead, but dude, going into Tennessee, which, you know, circle that game as being the next key swing game on, on the schedule. Um, that you know, South. I, I said it going in the last week. I'll extend it into this week. You really need to start to see some positives from this offense, from this running game, that they can build off of. And I, I honestly, Chris, there were times, there were little, just windows of the Kentucky game where I thought we were about to see the running game get going, but they still. It was like maybe it's a six yard gain instead of that sixteen yard gain. You know, it was still it was like it was it was not quite there. Um, so so maybe you know Satterfield said they had a good week going into last week. They've had an even better week this week from an O line standpoint in practice. Maybe we start to see it this week, and I I think it actually will mean something. Like it, it won't be the same as if you were going up against Georgia, you know, and rushed for two hundred yards or something. But if they're able to to have a good, solid game up front, it won't mean nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it's going to be about production, and I think, honestly, some may be just eyeball tests. You know, it's going to be, all right, if they're in third and one, are they are they blowing guys off the ball? You know, and, and not that they even should do that against Troy again. This is not EIU. But, you know, are, are, they, are they able to mash some people at times? Are they having less of these mistakes with the steps and the angles and running into each other type things? Are they having less of that? Because those are things that, you know, the offensive team and the and the front and the backs, the quarterbacks, they can control those things a little bit more. And then the defense is only going to disrupt you even further from there. So control the things you can control. And if they can do that, there is enough running back talent and talent and experience on this offensive line to where they can have a more productive performance. Uh, if we exit the Troy game and South Carolina's rushed the ball for, you know, two yards a carry and they have 68 rushing yards, you know, we'll be on here the next Monday on GC Live sounding the alarm again, you know, for, for the remainder of the season and say, I, I just don't know if this is going to get fixed, you know. Now, we'll see what happens. But there there will be, I think, some things to take away, you know, from the performance this game. Wes, before you move on to the next point, Great time. A little late on this time, but a little, uh, great time to tell everybody about Dead Soxie. There you see it on the screen if you're watching the live stream. Check out the fine folks at Dead Soxie. Awesome socks, buttery soft feel, patented no-slip technology, men's or women's athletics, dress socks. I mean, any any kind that you want, you can check out their college-themed socks or just browse their catalog. And when you're doing so, you can get 25% off your entire order with the promo code cocky. That's C O C K Y. And that's at deadsoxy.com, which is D E A D 
S-O-X-Y.com. Appreciate them being a part of the show here on GC Live. Um, somebody said, Travis said this, somebody said it earlier, we want to see Amari and Brown get more involved. I agree uh, 100%, man. And, and again, some some of getting more of these guys involved is just being able to stay on the field some more. Um, by, by the way, I'll say this, our, our, our new buddy, Adam Cushing probably never going to do GC Live again as much as we've been bashing. Uh, on a- I, I was I was sitting here wondering, no, I mean, and Wes, over the weekend, I think it was this past weekend. They got a dub. They got a dub. They beat Tennessee Tech, I think, by three, right? No, no. They, uh, they won 28-14. That's right. That's right. Okay. I'm thinking of a different score. Yeah, so first dub of the season, one and four, one and three, one and four. I think on the year, but congrats to EIU for getting their first win. The other one, dude, and here, here's one thing I've been thinking about. You know, we've had kind of – we knew we weren't going to get Kirby Smart on the show. I'll admit, didn't even try. I kept saying I was going to put in the obligatory request. I did not. We did try on Mike Houston from ECU. He was unable due to scheduling. Um, we didn't try Mark Stoops. I don't think he would have done it. Um, no offense to him. I don't think he would have done it. We didn't. We didn't try on Chip Lindsey. Maybe we should have tried. I'm wondering if we can get Clark Lee on the show. And the reason I thought of that is because you talked about our buddy Cushing may not come on the show, dude. If Clark Lee listens to our show, he's gonna be like, guys, no, no. If Clark Lee doesn't listen to our show because he's got bigger problems to deal with, but if he heard one second of one show. He'd be like, "Screw those guys." Yeah, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm doing it. Maybe we can get the UConn coach on here. South Carolina doesn't even play UConn, but um, the former but, UConn coach or the the well, inter- that's who is the current um, for the rest of the year UConn coach. I forgot his name. I, I forgot his name. But Randy Randy Edsel. You know, I, when I made that joke earlier about leaving the press conference, he was one of the guys I thought of because he would just just not He just he would just straight up dip out. Wes, I have. You remember how I had a stat of the week earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sponsored by Gamecock or us. I've got one more. Um, it's it's kind of a stat of the week, but it's you more. Have, you have the graphic? Do you want the graphic? Up? The there graphic. Yeah, what's up, Gamecock or us? Shout out. He's, of course, not listening live because of work, but he will listen to this later. So two stats of the week from Gamecock or us this week, or sponsored by Gamecock or us. Here it is. Not really a stat, but you remember yesterday I mentioned the uh, the last time that South Carolina played Troy, and I was like, I can't really – I know they won. I think they won comfortably. I couldn't really remember what happened. I, I went back and looked it up. Do you remember – do you remember anything about that game, Wes? Do any of the chatters without Googling remember anything about that game? All right. I remember a Troy game that hey. – no, I'm trying to – I don't know if it was this one, but I remember a Troy game where Marcus Lattimore rushed for like 100 yards and like three carries or something. Like it was It was literally – it was like the freaking uh, – the splitting of the Red Sea. Like Lattimore just – I mean, it, it was like he was averaging 50 yards a carry and had like three touchdowns and three carries, I feel like. So, so I will make – all right, first of all, it was in 2010, South Carolina's SEC's title year. The Gamecocks won 69-24. to I, I, I had forgotten about this. At the time, the most points in the Spurrier era. I guess 
the 70 to what was that 70 to 13 70 to 14 beatdown of coastal a few years later would eventually replace that 69 to 24 and here's the the stat of the week part Marcus Lattimore seven carries 102 yards and three touchdowns uh by halftime so Marcus was just able to kind of just he was just able to kind of peace out after that. But uh, DJ Swearinger had a pick six in that game. South Carolina was up like something like 35 to nothing. Um, Marcus, you know, yeah, I mean, he, dude, he just, I think he had a 17 yard touchdown, a 58 yard touchdown, a five yard touchdown. I mean, he just, he just ran wild. So yeah, that, that five yarder really kills the old the old average though. It does. Um, that yeah that that I guess is probably one of your better. You know there there have been some beatdowns now that coastal beatdown you're talking about was one of the most. That's one of the most lopsided beatdowns I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the Charleston Southern beatdown uh, a few years ago under Muschamp was one of the most lopsided games I've ever seen. Um, I'll tell you what, man, this is going to probably make people cringe because it just reminds you of things, how they are now versus then. Do you remember the South Carolina at-home Kentucky beatdown when Connor was the quarterback and Connor just freaking went off? It reminded it reminded me of uh, a beatdown South Carolina put on Arkansas at Arkansas. Yes. Um, when Brendan Nasevich scored late in the game. That, well, know, that Kentucky game was something like 54, 52, 54 to like three. J-Rock's got it. Uh, 54 to three. Yep, that was it. That, is that the one where Spurrier said Kentucky had a good punter? <laughs> I think that might have been the one. And, dude, I just found another that, you know what, scrap the previous mar- – and I promise I'll let you move on. I've gone down a rabbit hole. A Troy rabbit hole, a new a new stat of the week, Gamecock Russ. So this will replace the other one on Marcus. This is wild. You remember Marcus Lattimore's performance against Florida in the swamp that year? Same year, 2010. 40 carries, 212 yards, three touchdowns. South Carolina's team rushing total against Troy in 2010, that same year, as a team, 40 rushing attempts. 212 yards. How about that? Stat of the week. Gamecock Russ. So you're telling us that South Carolina's running game is going to get rolling this week is what you're telling us. I'm not saying that, but it sure was in 2010 with Marcus Lattimore. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, Let's see. I got got quick comments from Clayton White. We can't leave him out. Like, Like I said, man, though, it's like, he he gets the softball questions compared yep. to, to the offense, but he he did have some some insight on Troy, what he sees from their offense. Really, I guess more from like a schematic standpoint, you would say. So here's Clayton White. Well, Troy's a they've done a good job, Coach Lindsey. They've done they've done a great job of spreading people out. Uh, they'll spread offense. You know, one tight end. You know, sometimes two tight ends, but for the most part, they're going to be in a no tight end pitcher, and they get the ball all over the field. So we have to do a great job of of matching up. We got to do a great job of defending the whole 53 and one thirds of the field for us with, and our guys got to be great on understanding. They have three or four good, really, uh, really good running backs that they're going to try their best to find ways to run the ball. Uh, I think those guys are really good players. Um, 
to me, is just doing a great job of just understanding where we are on the field and the situation and, and knowing that you're going to be spread out. So we got to be great up front. We got to be great out on, on the perimeter. Oh, man. Ty Adams missed the dead Soxy. Hey, we tried to wait on you, man. We, we actually did it way later yep. than normal. Tried to wait, man, but you're just too late. Uh, let's see. What what else we got, man? I'm trying to look through the comments. What what else do you have to say, man? I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm over this show at this point. (laughs) Well, and I'll say, you know, until further notice, Wes, and this is just a general point based on what we heard from the coordinators and kind of what we learned about Troy, we'll, we'll dive in, like you said, to a lot more Troy tomorrow and Friday on the side and here, but this is still a game where South Carolina's defense is going to need to carry the day, you know, and, and it's still concerning going into this game for, for South Carolina with their offensive struggles and running the football with a Troy defense who's statistically put up some good numbers and could present some problems because they play really hard. That's the type of team that if you're not meshing well up front, if you're having communication issues, that can cause a lot of negative plays. So, I think this defense for South Carolina is again going to have to carry the day and hopefully for if you're Carolina you know your offense can get on track but I, I think that's a storyline to continue to watch Troy is not again they've not been great offensively they've been they've had some poor they've been really turnover prone they really struggle with that in their last game can South Carolina continue the turnover party defensively maybe give your offense some short fields and then maybe that that then gives you some opportunities to build some confidence and get some points. Um, and, and they got this Javon Solomon guy on defense that is a monster off the edge. Be an, an interesting little test for South Carolina, you know, with their pass pro struggles at times. Kid's an excellent pass rusher, one of those sort of undersized guys that has flown under the radar a little bit, but um, it is great off the edge. That would be something to watch. These Dude, these games to me – that that sort of you go into the second quarter. I feel like of these games, kind of having a pretty good feel for how they're playing out. Like if if you start getting to that like midway through the second quarter part, and Troy's just kind of hanging around and it's a close game, then you know the team that's favored maybe starts to press a little bit. Confidence starts going up on the Troy side, and that's when you find yourself in a scary ball game. So important, and I think something South Carolina has not really been able to do much of yet, Chris, would be to start fast. Like I think this is a game where, um, you know, the offense, the offense really has looked a lot better in general. Probably not the EIU game, but again, I kind of throw that out. But you look at ECU, you look first drive of the second half against Kentucky. Um, you know, South Carolina's been better against sort against I, I say against like sort of like talent they've been better in the second half so to, to me very important to come up with a plan to, to try to get the offense going w- what that looks like you know do you throw to run I know that's a, been a topic of discussion in the chat do you run to throw how, you know how do you structure it who knows but um we shall see we shall see we'll talk about it tomorrow we'll talk about it Friday but yeah important to start fast all right, y'all, appreciate all the chatters, all the comments, um, all the support. Again, if you are on YouTube, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're listening on the podcast platform after the fact. We'd love to see you come and join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. And um, we'll be back tomorrow. Once again, go Braves. 
Phillies are losing tonight. Y'all have a good one.